welcome to the Grace Community Church Podcast. We are grace for everyone, community for everyone, church for everyone. We hope that as you listen to the message from this past Sunday, that your heart is encouraged and you find yourself being drawn to Jesus wherever you're tuning in from. We are so grateful that you've joined us and pray that you'll be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Hey friends, I remember when I was growing up, I would spend a lot of time in the workshop with my dad. He was a hobby carpenter, making toys and trinkets and helpful wood things around the house. My dad was really handy. Like he, he built the addition on the house that we grew up in. He made the kitchen cabinets. He, you know, renovated the bathroom with like cedar. He made a gorgeous uh, like cedar medicine cabinet matching vanity. Uh, he loved to work with his hands. He loved to create things out of simple blocks of wood. Uh, even small scraps that you, you know, might think to just toss away, he'd kind of store beside the saw or the workbench for potential future projects. I, I remember him showing me how to use tools as a kid. I remember, I remember the first time I used the bandsaw. I, I guess I would maybe have been around 10. I might have even been a little bit younger. And I was terrified, like the noise of the saw, the speed of the blade. But my dad stood beside me, teaching me how to like carefully manipulate a piece of wood into a shape that we had drawn out so that we didn't bind up with the blade. We'd go slow enough and we would respect the danger that was there. He was always teaching me that, like respect the danger, but enjoy the creativity. Like the lathe was even scarier. But I remember him placing his hands on mine to steady the chisel as it bounced uh, over the rough corners as we first got started on that wood block until it became a really smooth cylinder. I don't, I don't know if I could count how many small toys and, you know, like little guns and toy cars that we made growing up. It seemed like there was always some sort of magic happening on the workbench. And I still have that workbench. It's in my garage. Sadly, it sits under a mountain of stuff as it's become kind of the catch-all for things that are in need of repair or parts of items that no longer work. But I've always been fascinated by th that creative process and, and what we're able to create from simple blocks of wood, whether we're putting it on the lathe or into a bandsaw, trimming away the excess to uncover the art under it all. It all. And, and I still have many of the things that my da dad made. I've actually surrounded myself today with some of those things. This beautiful semi that he made that has like an actual articulating um, crane on the side with like a stick shift and a steering wheel. Um, planes that he made for us when we were little kids, our Fisher Price people would fit inside of them and cub cars and wood carvings. I'm, I'm often amazed by the things that my father created. And you may be wondering, why am, I, why am I telling you this today? It's not just a trip down memory lane because in Ephesians chapter two, Paul describes God as a master craftsman and creator. It's in verse 10 that, of this chapter that we find the theme for our study made for this. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's go back to the beginning of chapter 2 and see what Paul's getting at. We read beginning with verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. 
all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of God's great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So far for now. This passage, this section opens up with that phrase, as for you. Paul directs this statement to those in the church in Ephesus. He's a church that he helped plant and spent around three years with earlier in his ministry, a church that he's familiar with and that he loves very much. All throughout the letter, you can hear his pastoral heart and his longing to encourage the believers to realize that they are in Christ. That phrase repeats over and over again throughout the book. Paul reminds the Ephesians of where they've come from, what they were like before the master craftsman got his hands on their hearts. He says, you, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You were lifeless and void. You were lost and without hope. You were dead. You used to follow the ways of the world and were obedient to the ruler of the air, the the spirit that is at work in all who are disobedient. Now, whether Paul there is referring to Satan specifically or to satanic, which like means adversarial, like Satan means adversary, like adversarial forces, they're actively working against the purposes of God. It's not, it's not entirely clear what he's getting at there. But Paul does say that there are kingdoms that people unknowingly, in many cases, give their allegiance to, that lead them away from the way, the truth, and the life. It's It's a kingdom marked by gratifying the cravings of the sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. And and we all used to be part of that kingdom. We all used to walk in those ways. I I like the way Eugene Peterson renders that in the message. He says, it wasn't so long ago that you were mired in the old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it, all of us, doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. So Paul starts by reminding where we came from and where the Ephesians came from. But then he goes on to say, but no longer, that's no longer the case because of his great love for us. And I love the phrase, God who is rich in mercy rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, or made us alive in Christ. Peterson says that it's immense in mercy, and with incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. Alive in Christ. This is the good news of the gospel, that God has taken that which was dead and brought it to life. That each one of us who've given our hearts to Jesus have been made alive in Christ. We were once dead in our sin and transgression, doing what we wanted to do when we wanted to do it. And it was killing us. But God, who is rich in mercy, stepped in and changed the course of our history. He has made us alive in Christ. 
And Paul says it a couple of times that it's by grace that you have been saved. By grace. Grace for everyone. We are all recipients of a gift that we do not deserve, that we could never earn. Grace, meaning unmerited favor. I spend most of my Bible reading in the NIV translation, the New International Version. It's the Bible that was given to me when I first started following Jesus. It's the version that I've memorized the most passages from, and it's, it's the one I often spend uh, time in when I'm reading devotionally and also preparing for sermons. But I often turn to other translations to gain a fresh perspective or on a, like a wording or a different idea from a passage. And I'll, and I'll often pull from the message by Eugene Peterson or the voice translation is another one I really enjoy if I'm looking for a more contemporary approach to a passage. And the voice puts verses eight and nine this way. It says, for it is by God's grace that you have been saved. You receive it through faith. It's not our plan or our effort. It's God's gift, pure and simple. You didn't earn it. Not one of us did. So don't go around bragging that you must have done something amazing. <laughs> I love that. Don't go around bragging that you must have done something amazing. Oh, how often we need to be reminded that there but for the grace of God go I. That the only reason I have this hope, this peace, this love, this joy is because the Father has given us a beautiful gift. It is by grace that we have been saved because he loves us. And that grace is offered to every single person you meet. It's offered by those who represent the king and his kingdom. People most often find out about the goodness of God through the people of God. A post came through my feed earlier this week that stuck with me all week long. It said, if God didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn it, I doubt he sent you. Like we're all beneficiaries of grace, a gift that God, the master creator and craftsman, chose to bestow on us. It's not because of anything we've done. It's only because of his love, period. He loves you. He loves the person who might be sitting next to you. He loves that super annoying neighbor or that coworker that you can hardly stand. God loves us. You've never met another human being that, has not, that is not one of his beloved creations. Not once. You've never met another human being that is not one of his beloved creations. Some may be still walking in the kingdom of this world. They're doing whatever their hearts please. They may be unaware of the peace and hope that they're searching for, the, the love that they so long for, that they've been craving for, is being offered to them if they would only turn to their creator. But we need to remind ourselves that we were once just like them, just as arrogant and ignorant, just as lost and hopeless, just as full of fear and just as fragile. But those who've accepted the invitation to walk with Jesus now live according to a new set of laws. It's, it's a law of love. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of peace and joy. It's the law of sacrifice and service that we don't just live for ourselves, but we now live for one another. We recognize that God is on a rescue mission and we get to be a part of it. I love the way that Paul puts it. We are God's handiwork, his craftsmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. This is what we were made for. God prepared in advance these works for us to do. This is the plan. We are his handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Uh, the voice adds a little color to the creative angle of this verse. It says, we are the product of his hand. Heaven's poetry etched on lives. Created in the anointed Jesus to accomplish the good works God arranged long ago. I love that. It's beautiful. Heaven's poetry etched on lives. Because 
of Jesus because we've been made alive in Christ. And now that we're alive, we've been set free to do good, to reveal the goodness of God by the work of our hands, by the, by the words of our mouths. We're, we're being shaped into the people who reflect Jesus to others. We were made for this, his good creation being restored and renewed in order that others might be restored and renewed. We were once dead in our transgressions, but now we're alive in Christ. So what are we doing with this new life? How obvious is it that the crafter, master craftsman is at work in your heart? Can people see the change in you? Can people hear the difference between who you once were and who you are now? We have been made alive in Christ. Is it obvious? Is it clear that we are being made into the image of Jesus? Paul goes on to remind the Ephesians of, of this dichotomy of like who we once were and what we are now. We continue reading in Ephesians 2, finishing off the chapter. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which was done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, in Christ Jesus, who you, you were once far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Paul begins to hint in this section about what he's going to tackle in the next little bit, introducing this concept of oneness, how we as Gentiles have been invited into the family. It's, it's one household. He's making one people. We're no longer strangers and foreigners, but God has brought peace. He's, he's torn down that barrier, the, the hostility between us. We're part of this dwelling place for God's spirit. We're being made into a home for the Almighty. The spirit is already at work in us, making us new. In other words, we were made for this. We were made for this idea of being one household, one body, revealing the goodness of God to the world. God is building something. He's crafting something in you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. Like a, like a potter turning the clay, he's making you in a ves into a vessel to be used. The, the craftsman language is all throughout scripture that the creator God is remaking, restoring, renewing his creation. And that work begins with you. It begins in your own heart and life. So I wonder, are there areas in your life that you see the Spirit chipping off some of those rough edges? Are there things that like used to appeal to you that have now lost their shine? They're, they're part of that old way of life. Things that you used to chase after or, 
or ways that you spoke about others that no longer hold the same sway in your life, that you're being made new, that you're being changed. You are God's handiwork. You were made for this, to do good works, to reveal the life of Jesus to others. And he's prepared us for this. He's made us for this. Oh, that, oh, that we would surrender to that work in our lives. Amen? That like we would welcome the chisel and the blade, that, that cut off those things that keep the beauty from being more fully revealed. That we wouldn't chafe against the sandpaper grain that seeks to smooth out those harsh areas in our hearts. And not only would we welcome that in our own lives, but we'd recognize the beauty around us, that, that God isn't just working on us, that he's working on our neighbor, that he's at work in the world around us. Our, our neighbor is a great work of a great creator. And that we would be people who celebrate and participate in their restoration, in their renewal, that we'd recognize the light of the creator in the art all around us. C.S. Lewis wrote something in his book, The Weight of Glory, that comes to my mind fairly regularly. These are his words. He says, It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses, to remember that the dullest, most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship, or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. All day long, we are in some degree helping each other to one or the other of these destinations. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities. It is with the awe and circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all of our dealings with one another, all friendships, all loves, all play, all politics. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom you joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. Your neighbor is a great work of art. That, that person that you work with that drives you up the wall is God's handiwork. And his desire, his longing is that they would be in relationship with him and that he would be able to mold and shape them in his image. That he'd be able to restore them to relationship and then begin to work in their lives that they might reflect the way of Jesus. Each one of us is God's handiwork. Would we see the master at work in our own hearts? And would we surrender to his hand? Would, would we treat one another in fact, when we treat every single human we meet with the same awe and reverence, recognizing the master at work in them. Because we were made for this. We were made to be alive in Christ and then reveal that life to the world around us. We were made for this. Let's pray. Lord, I love the image of you as the master craftsman. I've seen hints of it all my life, from spending time in the workshop with my dad to noticing the changes in my own heart. You're in the process of creating beauty, of making us new. And, and so thank you today. Thank you for the gift of your grace that we have been brought from death to life. We've been made alive in Christ. For anyone who's listening uh, right now that has not made that decision to follow you, who's maybe hungry for new life, I, I pray that you'd give their... Uh, they'd give their heart to you, that you'd, 
you would begin to work in their lives and even now that they would see your spirit starting to mold and shape them in the way of Jesus. Would we, would we all surrender to that work? That we cooperate with the spirit as you cut off those branches that aren't bearing fruit in our lives. That, that we'd welcome the conviction and correction because we know that you're making us more like Jesus. And would we participate in the restoration and renewal of all of those around us? That we'd look into the eyes of our neighbor and see your great love for them. And that we would extend the same grace that has been so richly lavished on us. May you use each one of us to, to reach those around us that are searching for the life that comes only when we are made alive in Christ. For we ask these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks so much for joining us with Church at Home. If you're joining us today and you're looking for a church home, you're sort of checking Grace out digitally before you come in person, I'd encourage you to head over to the website for details on some upcoming events and ways to get connected at Grace. I'm very excited, looking very forward to our Winter Fun Day in February, and I'd love for a chance to connect with you. If there's any way that we can be praying for you, please send us a note. We would be honored to hold space with you and, and walk with you through whatever you're facing. Thanks for being grace for everyone, community for everyone, church for everyone. And as we head into this next week, may the beauty of God be reflected in our eyes. The love of God be reflected in our hands. The wisdom of God be reflected in our words and the knowledge of God flow from our heart that all might see and seeing believe. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace to you.